Paul Crosby is the founder of The Uncommon League, a training and coaching company focused on helping professionals build successful careers. Through virtual classes, conferences and mentoring, Paul and his team provide business analysis, project management and leadership development training. Paul's mission is to pass on the career building lessons and techniques he learned as an entrepreneur so that others can advance in their careers. In this episode, you will learn how to apply lessons from failures to continuously improve, how to identify your innate skills and passion to pursue the right career path, and actionable insights you can use to solve problems and inspire people through innovative learning strategies. I went to college full-time and I worked full-time simultaneously. So I was a chef uh, um, kind of doing that and um, burning myself out basically uh, with long hours and all that kind of stuff. So I, I been, it kind of started off in, in, in the restaurant industry. Um, my dad had been in, in, in the restaurant industry previously. He had managed restaurants and all that good stuff. And um, it was sort of a, you know, a little, you know, family kind of slide into to working in a, in a restaurant uh, for uh, a friend of the family. So it was, it was kind of one of those deals and I had a great time. I learned a lot. Um, I certainly learned a lot about uh, restaurant operations and managing expectations. As you can imagine, you know, you don't want that steak to be cold when you're paying premium bucks for it, all that good stuff. Um, working to kind of, you know, figure out how you get customers happy and, and all of the good stuff happening behind the scenes. Um, from there, you know, I, I, you know, to be honest with you, I just couldn't figure out what degree I really wanted to go after. And accounting was the first one in the the syllabus. So I just chose accounting and just went for it. <laughs> Thank God it wasn't arc it wasn't our you know our agriculture because I would be a totally bad farmer. But I it was accounting. And and you know, accounting is a good thing. And I've I've certainly used it throughout my whole career um in business and all that fun and exciting stuff. But yeah, so I, I got into that and I got a job in in in, in doing uh, accounting stuff and um, you know, credit and collections, which I just I really didn't get into you know harping on people to pay me money that just wasn't my personality i just couldn't do that for very long um and then eventually you know i got into uh, a position with uh, uh angiomedics which is a medical device manufacturer and um they kind of got bought out by pfizer and so i kind of went along with with that and, and moved into telecommunications um so it was you know dragging cables through the ceilings all that kind of good stuff and punching stuff down and working with PBXs and automatic uh, voice response units and that kind of stuff. And it really got me into, you know, understanding a lot about technology and about how technology could be applied for the, for the business. Um, and then from there went into like computer operations in the same company, you know, you know feeding paper to the printer and all that good, keeping the, keeping the lights on, keeping the system up and running, backing it up, all that good, good stuff. Um, and then finally went into programming. Yes, we were. I was a software developer uh, for two years. Um, not a good one. <laughs> not really. Um, a better being an analyst. I'm a better analyst, right? I, I can. I, I like fixing problems. So you know, I was I was much better at that than actually you know coding. Um, and so I went off into, you know, the, uh, the world of project management. And that was the, the thing I did when I went to IBM. I started off in security, operations security administration. You know, it's basically keeping people from watching porn on company time. 
That's about all that position wound up to be. But it was also about setting up systems to help get access to certain systems for users, right? And the process that was in place at the time with the the client that I had um, was six to eight weeks just to be able to get an access, you know, just to get your login credentials. And that was pretty, pretty horrible, right? And so what I did was I, I sat down and I figured out the whole thing, the whole process. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. We, we need this piece of information here and we need to pass it on to this person and we can bulk load these things this way and we can change the way this is done. And uh, it just kind of snowballed into a little bit. It was called Access Express and it, it allowed me the opportunity to put together a, an entire package, an entire service of, you know, provisioning users but also getting them their laptops. You know, they're new employees, they get new laptops, they get new stuff, and their books and, you know, packages and desks and brochures and everything else is all included into was all one great big huge monster uh, of, a, of a thing. And it was a great, great service. And we uh, were able to roll out a lot of folks uh, doing that. So I learned a lot about, you know, integration of systems and data and all that fun stuff and um, negotiating and all that fun and exciting stuff. That's where I got my project management certification was was uh, at IBM. And they were um, very uh, good at, at doing that. And I certainly used all of that knowledge and training to help them build projects for our customers. And, and then from there, uh, you know, I went into consulting. So pretty much the Fortune 50, I've pretty much done everything for them. Um, different projects, CRM and um, database and even Y2K. Remember that one. Um, and, and just kind of going on and, and doing that. Worked my way into uh, a director of a project management office. I was a CIO for a little bit. Um, and then it, you know, kind of hit me. Um, I got uh, an offer uh, for my business partner um, who said, you know, let's start a business. And I was like, you're joking. I, I mean, I was terrified, right? Because it was like all throughout my career, I had this safety net. I had this this company that was behind me and I always had to do my own benefits and I never had to worry about salary and I never had to worry about all this other stuff. And it, it was tough. It was a really tough thing. And and I, I I went for it. I made the leap of faith. I call it the leap of faith. And it turned out great. I mean, you know, here we are 10 years later and I've, I've got a great company going on, the In Common League, and, and we've been in business for uh, quite a while. We were one of the first companies to do virtual training uh, long before COVID just struck, about three, three years ahead of that. And we've been really very happy with um, trying to help our clients build their careers and that that's what's become more and more important to me over over the years is building the career i had some great mentors along the way that helped me build my career and it's time to give back right it's time to build other careers and i enjoy doing that i help folks uh, build their careers we do that through training we do that through coaching and mentoring we do that through conferences um, all that good stuff and I get, a, a, it's, it's the one thing that I really love about my job is, is that I get this opportunity to meet so many different people and also to be able to help them. Just, you know, maybe I'm to help, but just a little bit, maybe a little step up there to, to kind of keep their career moving up and up the line. Um, I currently have a foundation, the Uncommon Foundation. Uh, we work with a lot of different organizations around the world. One of the biggest ones that we work with is TechFluent. 
Um, they're a great organization. They help uh, folks, immigrants and women um, and minorities get into the IT industry. So I, I have this really great experience of being able to talk with this next generation of folks that are coming into this field um, and just being able to have that conversation about business analysis and project management and all that good stuff. So I, yeah, I'm just like super pumped about that. And it, it's a great foundation and I enjoy it a lot. Um, I also work with a lot of different uh, nonprofit organizations to kind of help that, that sort of uh, continuous involvement, right? To get people's careers moving in the right direction. Um, working with a, a, an agency now on um, women who are, I mean, their 40s, 40s, you know, the kids are like, you know, in high school and they're they're getting their way into college and all that kind of good stuff. And they're like, hey, I, I raised my kids and now I want to restart my career. I want to move on to that next level. Um, and that's where we help. We, we get them up to speed. We do this coaching and mentoring and training. Um, you know, we get some boot camps in there to get you really going fast and furious. And it kind of help them build and, and rebuild their career again and get them back in, into the workforce. So that's that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, there's so much stuff there. There's so much kind of, okay, I'm in accounting, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I ended up in accounting, then I got into doing this and that. And, you know, that's that's kind of the, the story of an entrepreneur is trying a bit of this, trying a bit of that, and then looking around one day and going, hey, I actually don't think I, I enjoy this so much or, hey, there's this opportunity over there. And for you, that opportunity was the Uncommon League. So yes. I wonder if you can kind of talk me through the, the early days of the Uncommon League, that that transition from, like you said, the safety of a salary into the unknown world of business ownership and entrepreneurship. What did that look like for you? And what were you doing in those first days, weeks, months, and even years now? It, it was a lot of conversations at the, the kitchen table. There was, it was, you know, it's things like, what's the logo going to look like? What, what is our mission? What is our vision? How are we going to devise our products? Uh, what are our products going to look like? Where are we going to focus? Um, you know, training is a huge company. Do we focus on soft skills? Do we focus on, you know, this analysis thing? Or where do we want to go with this? And, you know, the first few days and months, even the first year was, pretty chaotic, right? I mean, you had a lot of stuff going on. You had a lot of decisions that had to be made. I jumped blindly into that. We didn't really have a solid business plan that was well thought out. We had a, we had a business plan. It was good. It worked. And, um, you know, it tweaked over the years. And, and we continually to tweak it. And I think that if I've learned anything out of this experience of being an entrepreneur is you have to be a little bit fearless and that you you know that there's going to be failure there there's it's going to happen it's it's going to be there i i will i will promise you 100% there's going to be a failure and the trick about this whole thing is is, is failing safely um put get finding that soft spot to land you know that you're landing on some some nice fluffy pillows um as a as opposed to you know solid concrete right where you have this you know major kind of bad thing happening to you and that was really the impetus of why I wrote the book, Fail Fast, Fail Safe, is because I thought that everybody was talking about, yeah, you have to fail. It's true. You do. And you learn from that failure. But nobody was talking about safety. Nobody was talking about, they're like, hey, wait a minute. You kind of need to figure out where you're going to land and kind of how that, that soft landing occurs. 
And, and over the, the next couple of years, I mean, we, we launched products that were hugely successful. Um, and we launched a few that were kind of, you know, not so good, right? That's okay. And we really learned from, from those failures and we learned how to build better products because of it. And I think that was one of the, the big things that as an entrepreneur I had to really focus on and learn from is how to fail and how to build products and how to, you know, talk and market my products to my customers and how to find my niche, how to find my place in the market. Yeah. And the idea of failing fast is, is quite common out there, but you're right. People don't talk about failing safe as well. So I'm wondering if you can give me an example of, you know, failing fast, but also having that safety net or that soft kind of blanket or pillow, like you said, that you can kind of fall back on. So it's not such a, a rocky landing. Yeah. So we're, we're like launching a new, a new product and it was, it was pretty, pretty expensive product to launch. And, but we had, looked at different, you know, financing options and things along those lines. And, you know, we kind of saved up a little bit in, in our company funds to kind of look at that. And we thought, okay, well, let's think about this. If this product doesn't do so well, where are we going to land with this? How is this going to impact our customers and our co corporate reputation? How is this going to how make us look in the market? All that kind of stuff. And we we kind of figured out, you know, where the trajectory could be. I mean, we took the worst possible case. Like, nobody bought it. Everybody hated it. All that kind of good stuff. Um, and what would happen? And how would we deal with that? And so we looked at different ways that we could uh, land as far as our reputation. But also we looked at the financial pieces of it. We looked at our, our customers, how it would impact them, our employees, how it would impact them as well. Um, and we kind of just we had this very open, passionate conversation about, hey, what if? And and we went through that. And, you know, we kind of spun a little negative for a while. But then we, we started to realize, you know, hey, wait, we can turn some of these these negative things that could possibly happen into positive things. What could we get out of this that would be positive? Yeah, we failed. Yeah, we collapsed. Okay, great. But what could we get out of it? Even if even this product is is a dud, what can we learn? What can we take from this and bring it into our other other products? Um, and we kind of looked at it from from that perspective. And the realistic thing about it is is that yeah, we it failed and we did hit a little bit of a bump. But it wasn't like a bad bump, right? Because we were prepared for it. We knew that it was going to kind of, it, we took the worst case scenario. It might happen. Let's prepare for it. Let's kind of be there and, and kind of make sure that that is well, you know, defined that we're not going to hit the pillows, right? Um, and, and to kind of work work through that. And so it was a, um, a great time. Um, very stressful, obviously, because you don't know what's going to happen. But you really hope for the for the best and i think that it was this this sort of uh abundancy mentality it's a psych psych term but basically it's that there's lots of possibilities and there's it's very positive mindset there's possibilities there's lots of different ways of looking at things you have this abundant mentality and i i think that that was really important and one of the primary reasons of our success is that we didn't get into this scarcity mentality, which is the exact opposite of abundancy, where we're in this rut, we can't do it, it's not gonna work, it's negative, and, and you just, that sort of spins things negative and you just sort of keeps building negative. 
I think the abundancy mentality is one of the things that helped save us to land a little land very softly. There are options. Figure out what the options are and, and kind of get them in place. Yeah. And, you know, being the, the leader of a company or, the, you know, one of the higher up people in there, you have to kind of practice what you preach. And so if you're saying, look, it's OK to fail, you know, keep keep going on. There's a learning here that can scare some employees because if I fail, surely I'm not doing my job. So I'm wondering, how do you kind of ease people in your own organization through the idea that, hey, it's okay to fail as long as we're taking notes along the way? Yeah, and, and I have that conversation with other companies as well, including my own company, is is the, how you view failure, right? Because in business, if you fail, boy, is that bad. You you are a terrible person. You're You're just you know, yucky, we don't want to deal with you anymore. But the reality of the situation is they fail to understand that failure in and of itself is a part of the learning process. So if you look at Descartes' learning theory, which talks about how human beings learn, they learn through failure. They learn by making a mistake. And think about when you're, when you're like walking. How did you learn to walk? Well, you kind of fell over a lot, right? You just didn't get up on your two feet and start running. You didn't do that, right? You, you fell over. Mom and dad were there to help you and guide you and, you know, hold you up while you were doing your little walking thing. And I, I think that that's what people sort of fail to realize is that you do, do learn from failure. And that's important. And we even include that in, in as a part of our courses and our curriculum and our conferences is, yeah, we actually set you up to fail because we know that in that failure moment, you are going to learn more than if you succeed. If you succeed, you you really learn nothing. You just you just did it and it worked and yay for me and you pass on. You know you just go on to the next thing. But if you fail, you're gonna think about okay now why did this happen and, and you you understand it in a deeper more meaningful way. Um, and when we we set this expectation of you know this is what failure is and failure is okay. And once we get over that hurdle of of of, of understanding that it's like now we we figure out ways that we can help you fail and help you to fail safely, right? So in the IT world, what do we do when we were trying to fail with software? We build prototypes and we you know, mess around with the sandboxes and stuff like that. And we, we work about that, right? And that's the way that you can, you can certainly fail safely is by working through that in the IT world. And we let our employees know is it, that it's not a negative thing. And I, and I don't berate my employees when they fail. I, I applaud it, it's like, yes. And the first question out of my mouth is, what did you learn? What what did we learn? We as a as a company because of this of this failure. And it's like, oh, we learned this and we learned that. And then there's this whole lessons learned that comes out of this. And those lessons learned just spin into improvements. And they just make our company all that much more stronger and better because we we understand where we need to focus on. There are there are areas that we never thought about. Because we failed, we then were able to focus on those areas that we normally would not even consider, and we're stronger for it, much more stronger, and it, it's been really beneficial for us. I, you know, and it's just framing it that way, and it's walking the walk. You know, I talk the talk about you know failure and all that good stuff, but I got to walk the walk. I have to be able to demonstrate to my team that, listen, this is how I work. And I want you to work this way too, if it's okay. Um, and not to be, you know, put down because of failure, but to see it as, as the opportunity in which it is. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, 
with what you're doing, which is empowering people to move into the tech space or the IT space, there must be a lot of like misconceptions around that type of space and oh you know i don't have the ability to do this or i'm too old so i'm wondering like what are the kind of common misconceptions you come across when trying to help people get into the tech sector i think the misconception is is that they believe they're not good enough because they're they're not in it um i can't do it because i don't have the education i can't get in i can't uh, you know there, there's a lot of roadblocks that they throw up in front of themselves and it's like oh wait a minute how do you know right um you don't know if you if it's if it's right for you until you actually try it um it's a, it's what i uh, i i uh, talk about when i say you know i tried skiing i tried to find out if i like downhill skiing right so i was like on the little bunny hill doing the little thing and it turns out i'm a horrible skier um I, was that you know failure Absolutely it was. And and that's okay because I learned that, you know, that's that's not something that, that's good for me. But be curious. I mean, if, if it's something that you're interested in, try it. I mean, I took a class on on pottery, making a plate, and oh my goodness, I'm I'm beyond horrible. I, I can't even make a plate. That's how terrible I am at sculpting. Um, and that's okay. And I learned from that experience. And and what I learned about that experience was the process. I learned about the, the, the people there and, and I learned about clay and I learned other these, these other things about it. And I could certainly take that and use some of those experiences in building exercises for, for my, my courses. And there's all of that, that kind of fun and exciting stuff that, that can happen there. I think it's just putting yourself out there. Just try it. Just keep it a whirl, right? If you fail, okay, it's fine. You learn from it, you know? Um, if, if it didn't work out, it didn't work out. But what if it does work out? What if you are successful at it? You never would have tried it had you not had that curiosity and that just ability to just say, hey, you know what? Let's give it a whirl, see what happens. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, it's one of those things that, like you said, if you don't try, you'll never know. And, you know, you said that you're kind of focused on minorities and underrepresented groups and getting women into tech, you know, really kind of pushing that diversity boat forward. And so I'm kind of wondering what kind of, advice you would share with people like that or what you would say to them if they're in that same boat of what we just said there of oh i don't know it's i'm probably gonna fail like how do we get those people over the line to taking that step towards transitioning into tech and you know why should they do it yeah i think it's 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 honestly if you have the the acumen and you have the talent and you have the interest and you have the passion that will carry you further than anything else and i think that that is important and, and kind of knowing yourself, right? What are you really good at? What are your, your skills that you're really amazing at? And if you're really amazing at, at talking with people and building relationships and, and solving problems, absolutely. The business analyst career is perfect for you um, because that's what that career is all about. That career is about building relationships, building trust creating common solutions and collaborating and building solutions that are going to work for an entire organization. And, you know, if that's something that you're really passionate about and you're really good at building those uh, relationships and maybe you're really good at facilitation too, then absolutely go for it. Um, you know, I, I think I've ran into some students of uh, project management and students that have said, you know, I just don't think I, I can, I'm, I'm, I'm capable of it. And I, and I was like, 
okay, well, let's have a conversation here because we just went through this training and you clearly demonstrated your understanding of planning and providing direction, you know, a servant leadership. I totally got that from the conversation that I had with you. So what, kind of what's going on here? And and I think it's the the, the fear of of the unknown a little bit, but I also think it's it's that they, they sort of don't see their own self-worth and they don't see their own self-confidence and the skills that they have that are internal to them. And I it, it's great to be able to just bring that out of them and say, hey, look, you are good at this. You you just demonstrated it in, in this course. Um, I had one guy who who swore up and down that he would never be a good project manager. And I, I kind of turned to him and I said, you know, you've been leading the class. What, what are you doing? You, you've, you've led these people uh, to build these, these little models that we were working on. And I said, you did an excellent job at it. You were a great leader. Why do you, you know, look at, look at that perspective. And I think that was a, a light bulb moment for him because he was like, hey, I always thought of myself as, as this. And, and then somebody else kind of came up to him and said, you know what? No, you, you're perfectly good at leadership. You're perfectly good at, at facilitation. And you, you're an amazing person that can really generally build a great team. And I said, I would love to have you as a project manager on any one of my projects. And he was like, Paul, I don't have any experience. I don't have any certifications. And I said, you know what? Certifications are great. And certainly education is great. However, there's that innate skill that you have. It's the passion. And that passion inside of you will drive you to get that education. It'll drive you to get that certification because education and certification, they're not easy. That's not easy. That's, that's a lot of work, a lot of studying and time that you're going to be devoting to this and your commitment to it. And, you know, if you've got that passion, it's going to make that whole experience of getting that training and that certification much more easier, much more uh, effective. Yeah. And talking about the process of you know, getting certifications or you know, self-education, what are the kind of ways that we can join the Uncommon League? What are the different branches of the syllabus and the courses that we can get involved in? Oh, yeah. So we have the, the business analysis uh, boot camp uh, that helps you to be a, a, a BA business analyst in um, business in general. It's not technology specific, it's more business. Um, we also talk about uh, Scrum Master, how you do that, Scrum leading teams, all that kind of good stuff. We talk also have courses on our project management side of it. And we also have product managers, which are how do you build products and things along those lines. And we do that through virtual classes. So we have classes online uh, that you interact with an instructor using uh, Zoom or whatever. And we also have pre-recorded classes. So those classes are, you just sort of watch it. It's kind of like a, a YouTube video sort of situation where you're going through and kind of watching and, and kind of doing it at your own self pace. Um, and then we also do conferences and conferences we focus in on, on different topics. Um, different speakers, different instructors, and we all get together and, and we revolve around a particular theme. Um, that's also a great way to learn and a great way to network with other folks and, and build relationships with others in that industry. Wow. So there's there's so many different ways to get into tech here is what I'm kind of picking up on. And it's not just oh, one yeah. route in that you're that you're helping people with. So so I'm wondering for you, you know, 
what is the, the main thing that you put into the business and what do people normally get out of it when interacting with you specifically, Paul, in the business? You know, I put a lot of my time into the business about my passion, right? My passion of building, building up people and coaching and mentoring. Um, that leads us to do a lot of research um, on different ways that we can inspire people and teach people. Um, we look at, at a lot of different ways that we can do that. We do that with Lego serious play, um, and other, you know, using, um, models and, and different, different techniques that, you know, most training companies aren't going to even look at because they're like, well, we're a business professional training company and, you know, we have to be stuffy. We're not. And we utilize a lot of different fun, exciting techniques in there. And we research that and we keep looking at that. Um, we're also known as, as the, this is the techniques company, because that's my passion too, is that how do we, we look at these techniques and how can we, we give these techniques to our students, to our followers on social media, Hey, this is what you can, you can utilize in order to solve this problem. This may help you. Here's an approach. Here's a, a, a template or something that you can kind of use, uh, for your next, um, big problem meeting or whatever elicitation that's happening. And it, we're continually building those techniques. I mean, we've built over 300 of them and we're going to keep building them because there's lots of different ways that you can help people out uh, by building up those, those techniques and those skills. Yeah, no, most definitely. And I wonder if you could talk me through one, maybe two of the, the 300 something techniques that you've got there, just so I can have an idea of what they are. Yeah, I mean, we we talk about one of the techniques. Um, we have a, a a brainstorming technique called uh, superheroes. Uh, so you've got a problem, and you're gonna each person in that group is gonna take on a role of a superhero: Superwoman, Wonder Woman, uh, Superman, Batman, Spider Man, Captain America, uh, Marvel, who whatever these these things are. And each of these characters have special powers, right? And if you could use their their special powers on this problem, what would the what would that be like? Um, so you know, how would Superman approach this particular problem, right? And then kind of work through that. How would Batman work work through it, right? You know, oh, Batman would go to the back computer and he would do this thing and he would do all that, you know, it's amazing technical stuff, blah blah blah. Well, you know, where Superman may be like having a conversation with you know different folks and doing his you know. Um, Clark Kent reporter type stuff and figuring it out that way. And and you, you sort of start to brainstorm from that perspective of, of a superhero and then kind of problem solving that way. And a very interesting technique. It brings you out of your focus, out of your own personality to kind of come up with new ideas. It's great. It's a lot of fun besides. Um, and you can certainly have a lot of, a lot of fun with it. Um, and another technique that, that we like to do is circles and soup. Um, it's, um, when folks are trying to look at a specific problem and trying to figure out what they have control of and what they don't have control of, um, and what they sort of have a little control over. So it's kind of these three circles, um, inside of each other. And you, you start to, to brainstorm about, Hey, what do we really have control over? And what do we not have control over or kind of have control over? And you're sort of dividing this out and in there. And that, that's also a lot of fun. Um, we also do, um, one last thing here would be, uh, P or, or I'm sorry, N to P to T sounds like a star Wars droid, <laughs> but what really, what it is, is it's negative to 
positive to task is what it is. So you take this negative thing and as a group, you identify your negative and then you, you look at this and you figure out, okay, take this negative. What would it be like if it were positive? What would this thing be if it were positive? What would that look like? And then you, you, you know, put those little things out. I'm like, okay, great. Now let's take these positive things and let's turn them into tasks. People are going to have to do this particular thing to this and, and you're assigning people to it and, and all that kind of good stuff. So you're kind of creating a project plan, if you will, in a little bit. Um, yeah, we do like N2P2T. I've used that in uh, public forums. I've used it in um, a, a lot of different projects. It's just a, a great way of flipping your mindset a little bit because, you know, you, you get into that, that here's all the negative stuff. And you get into scarcity mentality. You get into that mentality. There's no way out of it. But when you when you do that positive, when you do that flip, that hits you into the abundancy mentality. And then all the ideas start popping out. And you get all of these great things that you can do uh, to flip that to a positive thing. And then you get into to the, the implementation side of it where you, you look at it from building tasks that you will need in order to make that positive happen. Yeah. And I'm sure that's something that you use a lot yourself because you're a CEO, you're an instructor, you know, you're doing so many different things that you need to kind of have that kind of list of things or that, that methodology of how to get things done. So I'm, I'm wondering for you, how do you kind of manage your time and, you know, stay productive whilst, you know, having so many different things going on at once? It could be tough, <laughs> but you got to focus on, on the top. I, I focus on the top three. I, I've got three things I plan them um, every day at the beginning of the day. Here's the three things that I'm going to get done today. These are the, the top things. And, you know, things do carry over. That's okay. So that's fine. Um, but the, that helps me focus on, on really what I'm trying to, to get through. Because there's a lot of clutter that could come in. And there's a lot of things that I can do. But I really focus on the things that are the most important uh, to the organization uh, to my company so that I can, can focus on those a little bit more. Uh, because I work in an environment, uh, Tull, the Uncommon League, is, is a very creative company. I work with extremely creative, fun, exciting people, right? And they are really super good at ideation, really super amazing good at it, right? And tons and plethora of ideas. And so my challenge is, is always to, to like pick the very best of all of those things um, and, and bring them into, you know, a, a, a plan that I can actually work on. So if you think about this from an agile men mentality, uh, I'm, I'm sort of picking things out of the backlog, product backlog, and putting them into the sprint backlog. That's kind of what it is. But uh, I, I focus on those top three, the, the top priorities, I, you know, and I work with my team on, hey, guys, the, the top priority this week is our product management uh, uh, course overhaul. We got some new stuff that we're adding in there. We got some great new techniques. And so we're really, we're really focused on that. And my other thing is that I'm, I've got a, a conference here coming up in Vancouver and I, I've got this, this uh, scrum leadership and facilitation workshop I'm going to be doing in Vancouver. So I, I need you guys to kind of help me focus on, you know, what am I going to refine in this, this course curricula? So we're going to kind of make it a little bit different. Um, and that sort of thing. And then, you know, the last thing is that, you know, we got uh, month end is coming up here. Well, 
And so I got to get, uh, you know, all the expense reports in and all of, the, of that, you know, very mundane stuff has to happen as well. So what I, I try to do is I, I pick these three things and I, I pick, you know, two things that are more product related, more, you know, uh, that are kind of more fun to work on, really. But they're more product related. And then I've always got that one task that I have to do that's yeah, a little bit more mundane, a little bit more operational in its nature and kind of focus on, on getting those done. But I keep it to three to five because it, it's just, I need to focus on on it. And I, I if I, I tried to look at the whole backlog and tried to just nilly willy pick, I'd just be overwhelmed. I, I wouldn't be able to, and I, I did that for about a few months and it was like, no, we gotta find a new way to do this. This is not working for me. Um, and it helps everybody focus and, and really get into what, what it is that we, that we need to do. And it's, we have stand-up meetings, um, you know, and, and certainly anyone can call in to the video and, and chat with me at any time. Um, no worries. The, the thing is always open anyway, um, unless I'm in class and then it's not. But, you know, there's, there's this opportunity to have that open communication. And I think... Um, that's very helpful as well as we, as we set these priorities and and we work together on figuring out what those priorities need to be um, and what the top three, maybe sometimes five uh, things that we need to work on. Um, and then we kind of just divvy the work from that perspective. Mm, yeah. And something I've picked up on over the last kind of half an hour that we've been speaking is that you always seem to be learning. You always seem to be improving yourself and, you know, going places seeking knowledge and coming back and bringing that knowledge to other people or to your team or even just incorporating it into your own life so i'm wondering where do you do your research and you know what kind of things are you currently researching or looking at to you know improve yourself yeah where i do research i'm, I'm talking with people all the time I, I love to engage people you know on on different topics you know whether it's the software development life cycle sdlc or it's artificial intelligence, AI. I've been having conversations on that quite a bit. Different perspectives, learning uh, kind of how people feel about it, how they're kind of working with it a little bit. Um, and, and it's always exploring. I love to explore. I love, I'm very curious about how other people are, are doing, how they are working and kind of what's their priority. And kind of exploring you know, exploring that with them a little bit and, you know, and, and kind of extending some of the things that I've learned up to that point. But definitely we are a learning organization. We have to be, we're a training company. We have to learn. <laughs> you can't just stop as a learning organization. It's, it's just not going to happen. Right. Um, and, and that's why, you know, we, we spend a lot of time on our curriculum and it's always being updated. It's at some point, we're always putting new stuff in there. Um, changing and, and all that because you know the market's changing and the industry is changing and that profession is changing and so we have to respond to that and we have to create new curricula new exercises new things that are going to engage it at, at a current level of you know and and also being very practical and pragmatic pragmatic about it right and not just here's the theory because Okay, you can read the theory in the book. That's great. But how do you take that theory and you put it into practice? How do you, you know, make this a practical experience for you um, and bring it back into your work? Because if you can't bring it back to work after you've done the training, I failed to do my job. <laughs> That's the whole job is to, to teach you this new stuff so that you can bring it back in your job. 
one or two things. I mean, anything at all that you bring back to your job, then I'm then I'm, I'm getting there. Then I'm doing the right right thing. And that's why we 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 spend so much time on mentoring and coaching after training, is because that's the tricky part. That's the part that's tough, right? Because you learned this. Okay, now how do I bring it into business? How do I do that? How do I implement it? And oh, by the way, here's some of the roadblocks I'm hitting. Uh, how do I get over this roadblock? And I'm trying to implement this thing that you taught me in class, but I can't because this thing happened. We can help you with that. And that, that's that's why coaching and mentoring to us at the Common League is so important, um, is that you take what you've learned and you actually can apply it in a practical, pragmatic manner um, once you do get back into the office. Mm-hmm. And what is like one book or one kind of thought structure that you've learned that's really had an impact on your life? Oh, one. Oh, boy. Um I think the biggest is um, servant leadership. I think that one has, has always come back to me. I read that quite a few years ago, and it keeps coming back. It keeps coming back to me, and, and I keep seeing parts of that book um, in myself and in, in my business and in the way that I kind of work with people. Um, yeah, that, that I think is the biggest thing. And it is important. I, I don't think that I'm the dictator by any means. Um, I am here to work with my team to, to help build things. Um, and, and that's what I want. I, I want to help people build bigger, better careers. And I'm working with a team of people that are passionate about that as well. Um, so I think that's the, the one that, that has really had a, the most significant impact on me, um, from a leadership perspective. Um, from a business perspective, I think the one that I have really kind of gotten into is the value proposition um, that talks about, you know, what's the value of your product and how do you determine that and how can you create a better product value uh, for your customers? And that that was a good one. And that one sticks with me quite a bit as well. Mm hmm. And I wonder if you can kind of give me like a, a glimpse into the future of the Uncommon League as, you know, people can listen to this now, you know, when it comes out or people could be listening to this, you know, months in the future from when it's come out. So what are the things that are upcoming? What is the future of the Uncommon League? Are we going deeper into AI? Are we teaching people how to use AI in their day to day? What does that look like for yourself? I think our, our future is um, broader options, I think is, is kind of what we're looking for because folks learn in different ways. And so we want to be able to provide different ways that we do, we can learn. So books, um, kind of stepping up and in, into that and creating those. Um, we certainly have our virtual online classes. We're going to continue those. We were just getting into the pre-recorded uh, type stuff, but getting into it in a more meaningful way. There's nothing more boring than just watching a video and not having any interaction. That's just yucky that just goes against everything that we believe in um it's it's more of building these virtual coaching sessions uh for folks so that they can kind of understand how they can apply some of these techniques um and, and just really have that conversation i i think our future is very much in research and it's in finding and looking for these new uh things that are coming out and ai is one of them um, and certainly there are other things that are coming out um, as a part of that. You know, AI is, is, is a great tool, absolutely. But somebody's got to work with that tool. 
Um, and so we, we're looking at that perspective, you know, how do you build an AI? How, how do you feed it data? How do you verify that that data is good? How do you look at bias in an AI? That sort of thing. And that those are, I think, I think everyone's so up and about trying to use AI, but how are we looking at those other pieces of it? Um, I think the other pieces that we're, we're really focusing on in the future are, are, are the analytics ethics. Um, kind of looking at, you know, what is an ethical analyst? What does that mean? And how do you teach somebody to do that? And also continuing to kind of look at, at changing the way that we think critically um, and understanding, you know, we have these biases, how do, as human beings, we all have biases, and then trying to get over that, trying to use our critical thinking skills to get beyond that perspective. And I, and I think the future of of our company is, is moving, you know, just we're, we're still going to be using BAs and we're still I mean, using business analysis courses and project management courses and that. But I think it's taking it into this, this different level because there's that space in between. And that's where AI is sort of popping its little head in is, is that there's this tool that can be used. And so we're going to kind of get into that, that more, um, a little bit. I'm not a big proponent of, of teaching tools. I, I think that if you can use index cards and pigeons, you're you're and it works. It works. Go for it. Um, so we're kind of a, a little bit in, in how do you pragmatically use AI for effective? And I think that's that's definitely the future. Um, so a lot of great stuff. You know, the roles are changing as well. I think that you know as we move forward. Um, we're going to see new roles coming up. Uh, you know, product management wasn't a thing really for us and any of our clients, uh, for, you know, eight years ago, really wasn't. No, but they didn't really have a product manager. And now today, there's a lot of push to get the product management. And, and that's why we're starting to, to develop these courses uh, to deliver that product management certification. Um, and it's a good thing. Yeah. I, I, and the industry's changing. And, it, it, you know, I'll, I'll say this today and I'll be wrong tomorrow. <laughs> you know, something's <laughs> going to change and it's OK. Um, and you just have to be adaptable and flexible and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And you seem really passionate, really involved with what you're doing. You're an active kind of person in this space, always learning, always improving, having this mindset shift and, you know, allowing yourself to fail. But one thing I ask every guest and something I want to ask you is, what is it about what you do that brings you the most joy? Just having that conversation with someone, uh, you know, I had a conversation with a student uh, that went through my training um, 10 years ago and came back to me. Um, we were, I was at a networking event and he goes, oh yeah, I was in your class in this project management class. And he goes, you were spot on. Everything that was, in, I have, I've utilized that and, it, it, you know, and it's, it's been great and you were a wonderful instructor and I learned a lot of good techniques that, you know, and, and just hearing that, having that somebody come back to you 10 years later and say, you were an instrumental part of my career advancing. And I was like, this is incredible. I couldn't believe it. Um, and it, and it, and it made me feel so good to do that and, and to know that, the work that I have done is making a difference for others. And I think that that is, is important. And it just is the thing that gets me out of bed every morning is like, hey, listen, we, we can do better for, for folks. We can do better for people. Um, and let, let's help them achieve their goals. Let's help them take their careers to that next level. 
where can the people find you online? They can find me at the Uncommon League, all one word, dot com. Thank you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend. 